welcome to Black Light Mass Incarceration Show. I am your host, Sierra Cobb. Black Light Mass Incarceration Show is a space that is used to uplift the unheard voices of the criminal and social justice issues that many face today. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Sponsored by Emancipate NC. Going on, Black Light listeners, I'm back with another episode. I got my comrade, my colleague, Daydon. Oh, we just going to talk to you today. Daydon is very informational when it comes to capitalism and things of that nature. So, Daydon, talk to us. What's up? What's going on, everybody? My name is Daydon Wakiri. I've been around to Emancipate North Carolina. Great organization in North Carolina on and down for a lot of, you know, like black and brown folks. And those who also like, you know, criminalize or go through, you know, certain difficulties, right? Or systematic uh, ills when it comes to the justice system. So, you know, um, grateful to be a part of that squad. And a little bit about myself, you know, I'm just an organizer, you know, born and raised in North Carolina. I raised under a black woman that was, you know, cared for the black radical tradition that understood, you know, that as black people, we have to continue to struggle at all costs, and we really don't, you know, take any compromises until, you know, the masses of our people, you know what I mean, are, you know, free. And not free on some kind of, like, performing level, but free to the point where we have the ability to determine how, you know, we live our lives and in which way we choose to live our lives, you know, so. Yeah. Right, right, that's true. So talk to us about capitalism. Um, well, we don't understand it. Uh, me, personally, I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I feel like a lot of the issues that we face today is due to the system of capitalism. I myself believe that, you know, and when I say believe, feel confident to say that I know that the system of capitalism was created off the backs of enslaved Africans. It was created off the genocide of indigenous people in this country, and it created a lot of the wealth that still is circulated today, like America would not be the country it is today if it wasn't because of, you know, the genocide and the super exploitation of African bodies. You see what I'm saying? And a lot of the industries that we, that we see today and that we really don't, you know, a lot of people, especially in, you know, this country, you know, Western propaganda is, you know, is a drug and, you know, we don't really, it doesn't really teach us thoroughly, you know, how things was like properly brought to creation. So even when we look at banks and a certain entertainment industries, you know, if we look at it in, it in its roots, we see that it came from the labor, you know, the, the brutality of enslaved African. It came from the theft of, you know, lands that were the indigenous people and things like that. Even the medical industry, when we look at the medical industry, it was out of the womb of black women. Like it was because of black women being pronged and poked and all type of things that, you know, we have certain, you know, certain discoveries and still things being, you know, used today. When it comes to the medical field, and that's because of talent that black women had to endure, you know what I mean? So, you know, a lot of, so when we talk about capitalism, you know, it is, it is a word that I think is misused and people don't really know what it means in its fullness. Because if you ask the regular person to give you a definition of capitalism, hey, me, you heard it when we talked at the college, we had the opportunity to talk at A&T that a lot of people say it's a free market economy, you know, and they work in that type of way. But when you look at it and take a systematic approach to it, you see that it's not a free market. It might be, it's a free market to some, the elites, the, you know, the few, you know, but on a material level, it's nothing free about capitalism. You know what I mean? It is a very exploitative system that continues to keep a lot of like black and brown, even poor white people in a situation where, you know, they're not able to financially support themselves, support their families. It allows, you know, major industries to further exploit people. Like when you look at the medical industry, it gives money to like big farming. But when you look at the people that's really in desperate need of this type of medication, you see that the people on the ground level don't receive it. And this is because of capitalism, because the sole purpose of capitalism is to make sure that the only people that are becoming rich are the elites. That is the only beneficial goal of capitalism is to make sure that the elite are rich to, to make sure that the elite are therefore protected and their riches are protected. That's why you have certain fractions that come out of capitalism, like the police, you know what I mean? In its original stages of capitalism, the, the, the highest amounts or the thing that produced the most amount of wealth was uh, African bodies. You know, when you look at the South during the antebellum period, 
It was African people who created majority of the wealth that created in this country was in the South, you know, and got it booming. That's what got America's economy booming. You know what I mean? And so to, in order to protect that capital, you had, you know, slave catchers, you had paddy patrols and all those type of things would eventually evolve into the modern slave. I mean, which is still a slavery institution, but the modern um, police institutions that we see throughout, all throughout the country, you know what I mean? Their sole purpose is to protect capital, to protect their need and make sure that the resources of capital are in a secure place and that those who are considered the have-nots don't have the ability to obtain resources for themselves. So, you know, capitalism on a larger scale of things is a parasitic system that should not be in place. And only until we overturn that system into a more beneficial system that allows people to, you know, have control over the vast amount of resources that are, you know, in this country that restores man to his proper place and to his proper people. Like, we have to understand that, you know, if we, like, we live in one of the most places full of contradictions because we can't, like, you know, when they talk about black people in the criminal justice system, brown people in the criminal justice system, it's like, you know, this country was built off theft. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, exactly. Oh. The system is a criminal, like this country is criminalistic, you know what I mean? Everything about it is, is a big gang, you know, is a big gang and, and controlled by gangsterism. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I tell people that all the time, Republicans and Democrats are going to be your biggest gang members of America. Okay. They created it. You know what I mean? They created that type of like, you know, on the scale that we see it in this country. You know what I mean? We're not in like other places that are just this utopian place. But I think when we talk about a place that creates massive exploitation, right? Massive brutality, creates mass poverty, massive amount of unhealthiness. You know what I mean? America top cake for all of that. You know what I mean? Like we just, and we have to be real with ourselves, but in order to alleviate a lot of those ills, we have to get rid of capitalism. Like that's a tough, you know, pill for a lot of people to like swallow. But I think that is, you know, that's, that's the bit of truth that a lot of people don't like to face. If we want better, if people want to see better and people want better conditions, not only for themselves, but for everybody, we have to get rid of capitalism. You do. When you got to get out there and create it yourself, because I kind of want to piggyback on what you said about the medical field. Because I used to work in the medical field before I came to this room of life. And I used to work in the pharmacy and I worked in the hospital. And I've seen, um, as far as the pharmaceuticals go, like everybody was on the same medicine. Like you had 60 and 78 patients on the same medication. And come to find out that that's a hustle in itself because the more pills that the doctors give out of that same medicine, they get a cut off of that. And then, of course, you're making the pharmaceutical company even more richer on top of the drugs that they give you are nine times out of ten going to cause another health problem that's going to leave you going back and forth to the doctor. And then, you know, in America, they say that people of color have the highest rate of diabetes and why is that because of the food that we eat and how we eat it and how we feed ourselves and not, you know, leaning on the, the natural supplement. So that in itself just keeps a perpetuation cycle of like being unhealthy and us giving money to the pharmaceuticals and, and the elite basically because they keep their pockets, you know, they keep their pockets full no matter what. Right. Right. And that's how it works. I mean, and that's why we continue to see the people that obtain, you know, proper healthcare resources and obtain proper like loans to create, you know, those type of like businesses and things like that and those type of enterprises are normally, you know, the elite or the bourgeois and those who have some type of like, you know, interest or power dynamic inside of that realm of capital. But for the mass majority of people, we continue to suffer. And like, that's just, that's across the board. Like when we talk about healthcare, when we talk about education, when we talk about prison industrial complex, when we talk about, you know, so many things. Either way, we have a, whoever we put on that right now, we continue to see that, you know, as long as capitalism is the social function as of right now, we will continue to, like, always face these, these, these ills. Yeah, and as long as you keep that, that, what I say, bandana over your eyes and not really see what's going on, Black people are never going to elevate it. If you wonder why we haven't elevated, that's why. That's why we are all in the carceral system, all in CPS. All in them governmental centers, you will see people of color because we have not took that rule off our eyes of America's great, it's free, it's this, it's that. When it's never been, never will be that. 
stolen property, stolen land, and you know what I'm saying? Indigenous people suffer just like we do, and they don't get talked about either. You know right. What I mean? Yeah, no. You know, and I think that's, I think that's a, it, yeah, no, that's definitely uh, an issue. I think every, you know, Black community throughout the U.S. is that lack of information. And just the way that we are informed does not inform us in a way that, you know, kind of encourages us to dig deeper. A lot of us who are involved in organization or involved in the fields of making sure that, you know, we fight on the right side of the question already have, you know, did some type of engagement, investigation, excuse me, and have dug people or on that mission, you know what I'm saying, as of right now. So I think, you know, I think that's why I'm so grateful for Emancipate. I think one of the things that, and that's my other organization that, you know, I see do it, but I think one of the things that we definitely specialize in is like putting boots on the ground, going inside and trying to organize on a grassroots level, because I think that's where it has to start. I think that the Western propaganda that we receive as black people right now in this country motivates us in a way to, to, to adapt almost American values that mimic the colonial system. You see what I'm saying? We just put black faces and black culture on top of colonialism. And I think, you know, when we say the black radical tradition, I think if we look at historically, that has never been the objective is to, you know, be a part of the American system, but to change the American system. You know what I mean? And like you said, we can't change the American system by simply putting band-aids on open wounds that are never closed. You know what I mean? Or putting like dirty sheets on over on top of the clean sheets. Like it doesn't work that way. You know what I mean? And that has to be, you know, a man named Frank Sinan who wrote Wretched of the Earth. I think that's one of his most like recognizable works. You know, he speaks on that. He speaks on that. You know, there has to be a confrontation. Anytime there's change within anything, he says, there's always a confrontation. And I think that that has to be, you know, the mind state of our peoples. You know, we have to not necessarily like me personally. I don't think we owe this country no, 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 um, you know what I mean? (laughs) We think way too much to still kind of want to be a part of like this quote unquote American dream because there is no dream for us. So I think at this point, you know, we have to organize to collectively build power that can combat this idea of American exceptionalism or, you know, the U.S. You see what I'm saying? We have to combat. Because everything, like, you know how that we had that wave of, like, tearing down statues around, like, a couple of years ago. Like, everybody was talking about, like, going to their courthouses, going to, like, areas and tearing down statues, which I get and which I, you know, I understand. You know what I mean? But it's like, you know, we have to understand that's like a symbolic thing and it goes deeper than that. So it's like, you know, we can't talk about getting rid of like racism on like top levels without like challenging it and combating it on the root level, which is like a systematic level. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you have us, you have a lot of us as police officers and correctional officers, like we're part of that system that our ancestors fought so hard to free us from. But yeah, still, you want to go apply for a job <laughs> right. in the same kind of system that your ancestors fought. And then your excuse is, oh, well, it's a job or, oh, well, it gives me benefits. No, there are plenty of jobs you can go do that does right. not contribute to the oppression of your people. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it's sickening to see that, especially as correctional officers, because a lot of them black, you got a lot of black wardens that sit there and oppress their own people every day and go home and sleep not knowing that your great-great-grandma or great-great-granddaddy fought every day to escape the same thing that you're doing. Right. Yeah, no, I think, again, I think that's that level of education. And I think it's the way that our history is regurgitated back to us, right? Like, of course, because we live under capitalism, that's not going to, like, give us histories in a way that encourages us or inspires us to, like, destroy the system, right? So I think, you know, I think the way our history has been, like, given back to us, it is, like, again, it inspires us to be a part of a system and showing that we can be that exceptional Negro, you know what I mean? Like, we can be one of the ones that represent us in a good enough light that eventually there will be some type of morality switch within this dynamic of black and white or whatever, you know what I mean? That makes them think, like, okay, well, maybe all of them are not so bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, some people, I think, really do have that that concept, you know what I mean? But I think, again, like, that's not looking at, first of all, like, I can be real on your show, right? This is not, it's not looking at it, like, it's not, 
it's not looking at it on a material level. You know what I mean? Like we're not looking at these institutions as institutions. Like, you know, a lot of times people say like, I'm gonna join the force as a black or brown person or as a homosexual person and say that, you know, I'm gonna represent these people and I'm gonna change it. I'm gonna do my work to change it within. You know what I mean? But it's like, it's, it's, it's somewhat naive to think that you as one individual can change an institution that was created for the sole purpose to make sure that it, there's a dominant system above the people, above the masses that can control the movement and, and, and monitor the movement of black and brown people in this country. Or as I refer to them, or as the movement refers to them, like colonized people. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that. No black person can go inside of a police force and change the police force. No brown person can go inside the police force and change the police force. No LGBTQ person can go inside of the police force and change the police force in any type of way that's going to represent, you know, who they are or what they, you know, what, what they are in a way that's going to be beneficial to the masses of people. You know what I mean? It just does not. It takes the mass to change it. You know what I mean? The institution has to be, I mean, if we're talking about getting rid of statues again, right? If we're talking about getting rid of statues, you also have to understand that you have to get rid of the institution as of policing as a whole and, and create it and create something new that is beneficial to the masses, something that can represent the masses because the police don't represent the masses. You see what I'm saying? They represent the status quo. They are a system above the people that beat the people, that, that mistreat the people, abuse the people, and monitor the people all day. You know? Look at Memphis. Talk about black police officers. That should have shown every black people in this country that just because they're black police officers don't mean nothing. Don't mean nothing. Don't mean you're a black police officer, a black prosecutor, a black warden. Don't none of that matter if you are contributing to the colonization of black people. Like right. it takes a mass. And you know, that's how you know we've gotten so far away from our roots when everybody is so happy that the black people funk back in Mississippi. That is book showing how far we have let ourselves wrong to the fact that we are uplifting that like that should have been done like we never should have stopped marching after martin luther king after malcolm x like we just let the whole ball drop like oh well we got a little bit of rights let let's just it was that sponsor you like that video though <laughs> i mean it's about time like it is about time you know what i'm saying like for real yeah i understand no i mean yeah no, definitely like I think that was a showing. First of all, I, I definitely think that that should send a message. Like, you know what I mean? You better be careful who you, who you try that dumb stuff with. You see what I'm saying? But I think, I don't know. To me, I just feel like it just shows that, you know, again, when I spoke on France for now, he speaks on, you know, violence. And he, he speaks on it on a way that he says that, you know, when the oppressed take on the violence of the oppressor, it's not to mimic and continue that same violence. You see what I'm saying? It's to race and alleviate that violence as a whole. You see what I'm saying? I think sometimes, because I even seen some black people that said it was too much, or pop, pop shouldn't hit her with a chair, shouldn't hit the old lady in the head with a chair, or type of thing like that. But it's like, it's like we so, we allow the system to, to, to pinpoint, you know what I mean? To make us respond to our own violence. But it's like, we don't, again, because of Western propaganda, but we don't even see the violence that occurs to us every single day. You know what I mean? Whether it's like, what, CPS? You know what I mean? Like, we see a lot of that, you know what I mean? Whether it's the prison system, whether it's environmental, you know what I mean? So economic violence. So it's like we see violence as colonized people, as black and brown people, and other people oppressed by, like, you know, U.S., you know, you know, oppression. We see violence every day. So I think, you know, and I think that's why we appreciate it so much. I mean, because like you said, like that spoke to like every black person in America, you know what I mean? They have went through a situation or have incurred, like, you know, endured something themselves. So, no, I agree with you. I think like the time has definitely been up to stop being so, what's the word? Docile? Yeah. Yeah. We've been like the runaway, you know, the, the slaves, the ton of runaway slaves. That, that's what we were. The ones just sitting back there, just taking it. And, oh, well, they, they gone, master. They gone. Yeah, like, that's that's what we did. Uh, anyway. And be a part of that club. <laughs> that's why we do what we do, because we're not about to be a part of that club. You see what I'm saying? Like, we know what's really going on. We need for the other kin folk 
right. understand and know what's going on. So talk to us about how we can move ourselves away from capitalism and how we can take a stand. Mm. I think again, I think, I think again, I think if black people like really go over the black radical tradition of our people, like ever since, you know, the advent of this country, like ever since this country was created, like that whole line that some people use, not everybody, I'm glad. But you know that line, like, like we not our ancestors. Like, I wish we would we retire that. Like, I, I don't, like, we need to get rid of that. You know what I mean? Because our ancestors, really, for real, for real, was fighting harder than a lot of us are fighting to this day. Ancestors were some G's, you hear me? Feel what I'm saying? Like, they were blitz, like, they were blitzing things. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Alabama was happening every other week. You know what I mean? Back in the day. So it's like, we have to understand that that's, that's incorrect. So I think we have to we have to challenge a lot of the history and a lot of the thoughts that go into what brought us to what we are today. Because for real, for real, what brought us to the position that we're in today was organizing, was struggle, and was like it was violence. Some people don't like to say that, but it was. You see what I'm saying? And I think mm-hmm. that issue that we have to go back to, we have to go back to you know organizing around the objective of creating some kind of dual and continuing power until we reach the level of self-determination. You know what I mean? Because I think, you know, we're too hyper-focused on, like, every so often I feel like, and, and you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, some people be like, oh, you are, what's the word, conspiracy theorist or something like that. You know what I mean? But it's like, we be reading. We follow history. Like, you know what I mean? We we build it up an analysis that's built off, like, material things. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I re- and like sometimes, like we know that I was. He's talking to people. I got. He's to people. I got somebody in my door. Go ahead. Okay, I I think I could be wrong, but I think it was Ronald Reagan who came up with the slogan of Black Capitalism that kind of created the idea that we could build some kind of wealth in this country and so forth and so on, things like that. So I think I think that our era that we're living in right now. I think the term that's our black capitalism has has been like this idea of black excellence. You see what I'm saying? I think, you know what I mean? I really don't like that word. You know what like I mean? Me. I don't really like that because I feel like the black excellence that's always spotlighted and things like that are more than less people that's already like in petty bourgeois type of realm. You know what I mean? Or people that's, you know what I mean? Not really from like mass struggle or working class things and things like that. So I feel like that's used to kind of like to gear up our people around thoughts of like being the successful black rather than being the free black. You know what I mean? And I I think, you know, I think that's an issue. So I think what our people have to get back to, I think. No, I, we didn't know what think. It's an issue. It's going to be real. It's an issue. No, it's definitely an issue. It's definitely an issue because, I mean, they, 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 hold award ceremonies like you know what i mean you know what i mean on like major broadcasting stations and talking about black excellence and black girl excellence but it's like they highlighting people from the petty bourgeois they highlight the actresses sports players people that's tied into capitalism people that are more or less not going to do the things necessary to reach back and like really fight for you know black people so i think you know i think again we have to stray away from that and get back to the black radical tradition of organizing and fighting to change a system, not join the system, not be a part of the system, not put some blackness on the system. You know what I mean? Like we good for that. Like, you know what I mean? Like we need to change the system. Like we have to like organize and have a, a, conf- a confrontation to like change the systematic oppressions that we deal with today. Because if we don't, then we're going to continue year after year, after year, after year to go through the same thing, which is black, People dying at the hands of law enforcement, black people dying at the hands of vigilantes, black people dying to the, to the, due to poor health, you know what I mean? A lack of resources in the community, you know what I mean? Our children being funneled into the prison, industrial complex, how the, you know, how, because how, how the education system is more geared to send black and brown youth to prison more than they are geared to send them to college. Like this is statistically proven. You see what I'm saying? I think, and I could be saying, but I think like, Black youth make up like 15% of the nation's youth. I think something like that, you know, man. it had to be looked up. I think it's something like 15, 16 or something like that. We make up like 64, the youth, black youth make up like 64 of you funnel in and out of the prison carceral, carceral state. You see what I'm saying? So I think oh, individual black wealth 
does not trickle down to like the massive. It doesn't. So it's like we have to get our mind off of being, you know, a black millionaire or being, you know, this black rich person. You see what I'm saying? And get our mind geared to being a black free person. Because we have seen in many cases that just because you're a rich black person does not mean that you're free from colonial violence or any kind of colonial oppression. Well, let's let's just think about what you had to do to get there, because you it wasn't just given to you as a black person to be a millionaire. So so let's really think about what you really had to do to get there. Like, how did you really have to be slaved out and sell your people out to get your wealth? Because that's what's going on over here. Like, that's really what's happening. Our black people are selling one another out to get wealth. Right. Yeah. I mean, Mark I mean, Robinson is one of them. So what you say? Mark Robinson. Oh, yeah. One of them. Big one. Yeah, he's a stooge. He, like, you know what I mean? And that's the difference. Sometimes, like, there's, there's stooges and there's, you know, there's the black bourgeoisie who are, you know, in a position where, you know what I mean, they have to remain loyal because they're scared of losing their resources. Mark Robinson, in my opinion, is a student. She allowed himself to be used. Like, don't white folks, don't white folks words that he spews. Like, they putting them in his mouth. You know what I mean? Like, he can't speak for himself. No, you hear me? No. He don't speak for himself. Them white folks words. They tell him what to say like a puppet. You know what I mean? And that's colonialism. That's, that's how dangerous it can be. You see what I'm saying? That black folks want to mimic and put themselves in the position of the colonialists at any cost. You see what I'm saying? At any cost. And, you know, I, that, again, that's that. If you can't beat them, then why not join them attitude? That's what that is. Which is a retreat attitude. Because what are you joining? You're joining, again, like, when people say, like, when people say that, like, when people say, oh, well, uh, it's better to have a seat at the table type thing. You know what I mean? It's like, what what table are you sitting at? A table that that exploits and destroys other parts of the world. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's we're not free until Africa is free. We're not free until South America is free and other countries that are connected to like this 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 like this parasite called America. You know what I mean? And so it's like we have to that's that's the challenge I think that we have to get black people to understand it. Everybody's not gonna understand it. You know what I mean? But I think that comes from grassroots organizing educating in the community, educating in the workplaces, trying to go to the, you know, schools. If you can go to schools and not talk about it in a way that's going to scare them white folks, you know what I mean? But a very, you, not lie that. you know what I mean? You tell them black, you know, tell them black children, like all tools that you use have to go in the interest of the black masses. You know what I mean? Like that is the responsibility that comes from the, like, that's, that's the black radical tradition. Like any tool, any knowledge that you obtain under capitalism, any knowledge that you obtain under oppression, anything that you're of, of value, not only to yourself, but to the masses, you have to give back to the masses because that's how that works. Let me ask you this, because I just thought about this. Do you think segregation made it better or made it worse? Because to me, it made it worse. I mean, because when we were segregated, like we could really educate our people. I felt like when we were segregated, it gave us more more fight and more power. And then it seemed like once we got segregated. I think I do think that integration did play a part on the disconnect of what it means to be a part of like black community and the black like because that then led way to like, you know what I mean? Black people eventually being able to put their kids in like white schools. Black people eventually being able to move into what they deem, quote unquote, you know, better communities, which was more or less, you know, white communities that detached them from, you know, the black masses that they were a part of, the issues of the black masses. And now, you know, their interests are not the interests of the black masses, but the interests of a new aspiring black bourgeoisie. You see what I'm saying? We want our kids to be able to go to the school and get a proper education. Not that we want all black kids to go to school and get a proper education. We want the black kids that belong to our individual group to go to school and get a better education. So I think that segregation did play a part in that separation technique. We have been separated so many times in this country. And I don't think that's why it's important to read. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's important to go over history because, you know, this system has done this on several occasions, that separation tactic to, you know, disband black people and get them to not understand how important it is to just band together 
and organize to overturn what it is that confronts us at that time. Because we can get over differences later. You know what I mean? But what's the immediate thing that's standing in our way right now? So I think, I think integration did definitely play a role in, you know, you know, that mind game that they always play. Because, you know, I remember, for instance, right? When we talk about integration, right? A lot of people, and this is history, right? A lot of people look at Jackie Robinson as this great hero, right? Me personally, I don't like Jackie Robinson. You see what I'm saying? Because if we understand that period, if we use history as our guide, Jackie Robinson was able to be used as a tool for the, for the American government. You know what I mean? And not just because he left the Negro League to play Major League, you see what I'm saying? But because there was a man named Paul Robeson, right, who spoke out largely about capitalism. He spoke out not only about capitalism, but he spoke about socialism and bring them a new social structure into society, right? He went to Russia and all these type of things. So he was a threat to the United States government. They allowed, well, they used Jackie Robinson to stand against the United States Council or something like that to speak outwardly against this man in a way because they knew Jackie Robinson in the eyes of black people because of Western propaganda. You see what I'm saying? He would have a more supportive role than Paul Robeson. So it's like anybody... And this is something that I think that we all need to look at sometimes. Anybody, any black person, any black figure that the U.S. government or U.S. or white society, I'll just say it just like that, props up or prepares to be this great black person. We always need to be careful of them Negroes. Yeah. <laughs> them are them kinfo. Them we talking about. That's, that's what them is. That's, yeah. On God, like, we got to be careful of them because they don't never represent the black masses. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of a black bourgeoisie, which is an individual set of black people who are only concerned about what they can get and what resources they can attain the way other white connections they got. You know what I mean? And oftentimes they nullify, they nullify, excuse me, the the demands that come from the masses, right? Because if we look at if we look at figures that sometimes come out, there were some figures at Ferguson that came out and and, and, and was condemning the, the acts of the, the protesters on the ground, saying that this is not the way that you take, uh, you know, get changed. You said it was, and just spoke outwardly against it. You know what I mean? But if you look at it objectively, it was the, it was the people on the ground. It was the fires. It was the people that was calling to gas back that made Ferguson get the attention that it needed. You know what I mean? But, so, oh, yeah. But again, like, I agree. Yeah, like, no folks you got to look out for. I mean, how do you think we got where we were today? I mean, Martin Luther King was marching, same thing. I mean, they wouldn't, it wasn't always peaceful. Like, you can't, when you, when you're being oppressed, what, how can you be peaceful when you're being oppressed constantly? Like, there's nothing peaceful about oppression. Right. Period. Period. You can't be. And then, like, yeah, no, you can't be. Like, even when people talk about Martin Luther King, like, like, them Negroes weren't doing what Martin Luther King and them were doing back in the day. Like, they were going out to get their head bust. Like, people ain't going out to get their head bust no more. That wasn't a non-violent period. You know what I mean? This, 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 this country always regurgitates, again, like, our, our, our history in a way that, you know, is ahistorical. It gives it to us in a way where it's not telling the whole truth. It might give us some, but that some of the truth is covered with so many lies that by the time we get to that some of the truth, we don't even know what's going on no more. <laughs> you don't know. You don't. With that propaganda, you don't. And so it's like, you know, like, so like with that whole civil rights era, it was a violent era. People was getting killed. People was getting their heads bashed in. Like, people was getting, so it's like, we don't never let anybody, like, discredit that period. You know what I mean? Because it did play, indeed, there was some faults in it, but there was a faults in a lot of our, you know, anything that's going to be faults in. But it did play an important role because, to me, the civil rights era confronted the violence in a way that it made it, it made it a national thing. Like everybody in this country knew that the South would, they would be, you know, black folks is in. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I don't know where they get that from. I don't know. I don't know. I ain't no, no protesters this day and age going out there and getting beat up like the civil rights era going out there getting beat up. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I seen some people get beat up now. Don't get me wrong. I seen some serious people go out there, do good work. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, get confronted with, you know, the violent state. You know what I mean? But a lot of the things that I see today, you know what I mean? A lot of that's not, it's not happening. 
not. Nah. So uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit. I want you to talk to the audience about Kid and, and Gaston that we're fighting for. Maybe the audience can get behind the application of this case because it's, it's stupid. Like a child. Yeah, it's, it's right. stupid. It's, it's scary. Like, it's just scary. Yeah. It's scary black people. You see what I'm saying? Because again, it speaks to the level of oppression that we still face in this country. So many of us are, are growing this level of comfortability here and there. We might think, okay, like, you know, yeah, there's some bad tendencies out here. But for the most, most part, I do feel like a lot of our people in the country, you know, have some level of comfortability. You see what I'm saying? Because this, what happened in Gaston is like, it's, it's horrifying, especially if you got kids. I got three myself, you know what I mean? I got three boys. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, what happened was to give people like a, a understanding, like a vision of what happened. You had teen boys who were 15 at the time. I think it happened three years ago because they're 17 now. Oh, they're 18. But two, two teen boys was driving their bike home from dropping a friend off. They rode their bike with a friend to drop them off in Gaston, North Carolina. And on their way home, they encountered law enforcement. Now, the route that they were taking is a route that was given to them by their father. Like, I met their father, like a stand-up guy. Like, he would be, like, and that's how contradictory this country is, right? He would be the idea of the idea of father. You see what I'm saying? You know how, you know, America paints this picture of, you know, my father takes time with me, you know, show me things, like, type father, like, build a car with type guy. You see what I'm saying? He's very involved in that life. What he did was he showed them this route that they can they can take home because I because they're twins and they do I think have some mental incompetencies, right? I don't think it's a major thing, but I do think there is a level, right? Right. Uh, so he shows them a route to take home, you know what I mean? And this is what they do. He said they always take this route home. Like it's routine thing. Like this is what they do. This is their route. You know what I mean? So on this on this particular day, and I forgot the day, so please forgive me. But on this particular day, they were, they were riding their bikes home and then counting law enforcement. Law enforcement had blocked off the road with a barricade for, we was told, a firework, firework show, but wasn't set to uh, start until like hours later. I think this would happen like five something and the fireworks were set to like nine something. But there was also a baseball game going on as well. So the road was blocked off. They encountered law enforcement, told law enforcement because they had got stopped that they were just trying to get home. These are children now, these teenagers now. There was a woman officer, the first one they encountered. She told them that they couldn't take that road home. Now, we went, you know, I'm emancipating, you know, we always on the scene, you know what I mean? Like, we always on the We're going to go back. Look, we're going to go back and reinvestigate. <laughs> we out there, you feel me? <laughs> but uh, so we went, we went on the scene and uh, we saw the area. And she showed us the route, things like that. The mother as well, who's also heavily involved in their life. These are the children that America always try to model what, you know, children should be in this day. And you know what I mean? They listen to their parents. They look out for one another. They doing exactly what their parents told them to do. So anyway, they're trying to go home. There's a sidewalk that they could have rode because barricades normally block traffic. Not but not the road, not the side of the road, but the I, road. You know what I mean? Exactly. And so it got to a point where she stopped them. She told them that they couldn't go. They said, this is the road that we take. Why can we go? So there was a back and forth discussion. You know what I mean? Eventually, it got to a point where I think the officers started to get uh, more and more aggressive because when she didn't let them go, to be like clear, the first time, there was a level of aggression. Because if we see children, why would you not want children or give children access to their way home when they're trying to get home? You see what I'm saying? Like, I think that's what we have to start on. Like, like listen. First of all, why do you have aggression with the child? You should make sure and say, all right, well, you should have watched them. You, you see, so you're a police officer. You're supposed to be protecting the public, as they call y'all, public safety. So you should have been like, okay, well, go ahead. I'm going to watch and make sure y'all get to where you got to go. Safe, not catching the attitude because you don't want them to go because you got it blocked off. And you're not even blocking off the road. You're blocking off the sidewalk. Nobody's going to drive on the sidewalk. No. Nah, no. So, that yeah, so they were riding on. She stopped them. She told them they couldn't go. This it's is crazy. It's just, it's just unbelievable. So, eventually... You know, the back and forth discussion became into she tried, she tried to grab him because there was, she, the mother, the child said, um, she asked at one point, if you're like 15, I'm gonna call your mother 
if you're 18, I'm going to give you a trespassing charge, right? But then she never went, she never took the investigation further to like see what actual age they were. He tried to grab her. He fell off his bike, which I think led her on to like falling on top of him. The other brother tried to get involved because again, like, you know, they're brothers, they're twins. So let's not forget this now. They're young twins, 15 year old. They don't know what's going on. Why is this police officer attacking us type of thing? You know what I mean? I want my brother to be safe. So, and you know, everybody knows twins got close bonds anyway. So, you know, in defense of his brother, I think that he tried to get the police officer off of him, off, off his brother. Another one that was on the scene then jumped on the other brother. And there was a situation, I think, between the two of them. And he eventually was able to get out of the hole that the police officer put him in. Now, before I say this, I want to put like, like set a, set a picture. He's a 15 year old boy. I seen him myself. If that grew any, right, it couldn't have been that much in weight. Them boys couldn't have been no more than like 120 soaking wet. You see what I'm saying? This man at the time was like two, two something officer, right? So he. Well, hold on. I, I want people to understand this is the trauma that black people face every day. This is why these children were doing that because he thought that his brother could possibly die from a police officer. This is what we have subjected our children to see on a daily basis from public safety members. Right. So he was protecting his brother because he thought right then there, oh, that's it. I ain't going to see my brother no more. He about to be killed by the police. I can't let that happen. And right. he was protecting his brother. Right. You know, and so in the act of him trying to protect his brother, this officer saying that this 15 year old boy put him in a chokehold to the point where he went unconscious and potentially could have lost his life. But now at the same time, right? And I'm trying to, I don't want to miss anything, but I'm not trying to make a long drawn out. But he did not get medical attention the night of the incident. He didn't go to the hospital. Now he's saying his life danger. He almost died and all this, you know what I'm saying? He got choked out, but he didn't go to the hospital. He well, went to the hospital. If he had him in, in a, some type of lock, he was defending himself from you trying to basically choke him out. Because we saw police officers choke people out all the time. All the time. So he was defending himself because you had him locked up. Right. So then he turned around and get the best of you to protect himself because he's a young black man and could die at any time at your hand. You want to say you almost died. Well, he could have died when you had him in the chokehold. Like, come on now. Like, we talking about <laughs> death. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we more, we have more reason to believe that we could die at the hands of us. That y'all gonna die at the hands of us. You see what I'm saying? And I think, you know, 15-year-old black boy who probably had to talk with his parents because they both look like, you know, those type of responsible parents that tell their children, look, hey, when you out in this world away from me, you have to be safe because there's some things out here, there's some elements out here that don't mean you well. You know what I mean? So in their mind, they probably thought to themselves, and I can't say that they did, so I'm not speaking for them. I'm just speaking on what I would think as a 15-year-old little boy that know that Trayvon got killed, that know Michael Bryan got killed, that know Freddie Gray got killed, that know all these black people. Yeah, Arizona got killed. Like, we keep going and so many of us that got killed. You know what I mean? I would think to myself, oh, my God, like, is this one of the situations that was going to happen to me? You know what I mean? And you know what I mean? They took the opportunity to try to save one another, and unfortunately, the system is trying to come down on them. And what we have learned from uh, a lawyer that the... I don't know if he is a lawyer. I, he is an attorney, right? He's a civil rights attorney, right? I forget his name right now. But what we have learned when we went down there to Gaston Day, there was a video involved. And in this video, you would hear back and forth conversations where they, the woman officer involved brags about the blood on her shirt saying, nah, this is not my, this is not my blood. She would ask, was that her blood? And she's like, nah, this is not my blood. But I wish it was, I wish it was more his though. Yeah. You know? <laughs> He mentioned something about a chair being involved. Um, somebody suggested in the video the night of the incident that he'd be tried for first degree murder that night. And yeah, so it's 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 a tough situation, you know. And you know, the the the, the judges seems you know, it's a good old North Carolina is a good old boy club. Like to good be old boy state. You I'm, hear me. I'm gonna be real, like I have no faith in Nobody in position. I have no faith in, in, in none of that right now because, you know, it still continues the historical trend of the white power structure. And until we build a grassroots level that challenges that and alleviates that, then, you know what I mean, I think we'll truly start to see change. So, I mean, to make it short, the judge is not trying to do what's right for, you know what I mean, the two, the two black children involved. 
And so it's a situation where I think, you know, it's just, it's sad and it's unfortunate. And, you know, we definitely have to rally around, you know, these two, you know, these two. He's convenient. He is. So everybody listening, we need your help. Like on, on, on some real live realness right now, we need your help because they are really trying to take this boy life for protecting his brother who could have lost his life at the hands of police just trying to get home. Both like, of them. Right, both of them. So, like, that's, that is a black mother's worst fear is letting their child go. Like, you feel like you can't even let your child go out anywhere without fearing that you don't get a call that they've been killed by the police. Like, it right. should not be like that. Period. For anybody. Nobody should have to fear that when they child walk out that door, that they might get a call saying they got shot by the police. Right. No. So we need we need y'all to show up and show out. We need emails to the judges, to the courthouse. If you in, around the area, come out and support because this got to stop. Like this really has to stop. So like in North Carolina, wonder why we still where we are, and this is why where we are because we just letting this happen too. And now it's babies, like. You're killing babies, you're warehousing babies, you're warehousing the elderly. Like, this has to, like, when y'all gonna still ever make it stop? Like, yeah, no, definitely go to Emancipate website, you know, try to share just a bunch of information that can be shared right now, look for further events to be involved. Because, I mean, you know, a lot of people used to share, I know on Facebook at one point in the time, a lot of people used to share the little boy, and I forget his name. I just looked at him yesterday. That was electrocuted when he was real young. I think it was in mm-hmm. South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And it's you no, know, these events are still happening. It might not look the exact same. Like these boys might not be facing their electric chair. You see what I'm saying? But you know what I mean? They're facing an extremely long and hard and potentially dangerous time in a place that they don't need to be in. Listen, it's 9,000 black people missing. So you tell me what that is. You know what 9, I mean? 9,000 black people missing. Right. He probably just disappear out the air, y'all. Nah. You know what I'm saying? Y'all, y'all got to start understanding that these governmental facilities are kidnapping our people. Literally kidnapping our people. What they say? Clone them them <laughs> Put them in prison. Taking them off the street and putting them in prison. Bane in prison. They somewhere where we can't even know where they at. Right. 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 So Y'all like, smart up, y'all. Like, we got them smart enough. And, and so I know that we are planning to do a lot of peace, not police. Can you talk to us about that? Because I, I want I want us to start thinking differently. Like, I know a lot of people, I hear a lot of people like, I don't like the police. I ain't going to call the police. But as soon as somebody come to their house acting foolish, what's the first thing they do? 911. Nah. And I mean, and I mean, and, and, you know, we've been told so long that that's the only thing that can be put in place that protects us, that some people believe it. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't want to say I get it because I don't. I mean, I get it, but I don't. I mean, whatever. No, I don't. I don't no. But, uh, call restorative justice to restorative healing. Right. So, you know, in Greenville, the idea came about we have a police substation like in the middle of our community, like less than a mile down the street from the actual police station. Like, you know what I mean? They have housed this little police station in the middle of an all black community, the majority all black community. So, you know, just through the years, we have tried to develop strategies to remove this uh, institution and say, like, you know, let's change it to a resource center, something that could be more beneficial to the community. People can go and get health care screening, you know, resume training, just things that can, you know, produce some kind of wellness in a and community on a level. And so, you know, last year, you know, we had started the coalition. Excuse me. We had started the coalition called the... Um, Peace Not Police Coalition, which consists of just, you know, various uh, individuals from the community, some clergy members, just, you know, people who want to get involved and take a material approach to actually removing the substation, but not only removing the substation, right? Because we're not just making it solely about the police, even though it says Peace Not Police. Like, we under we understand that if we want to see peace in our community, one of, one of the things that we have to do is get rid of the police, you know what I mean? But that's not the end all, the be all, you see what I'm saying? But alleviating that position, because for real, for real, we can't even mediate ourselves 
You see what I'm saying? Without the police getting involved. Because, you know, you know, black folks, you know, we sometimes we get a little loud. We a little animated. You see what I'm saying? And just because we are that at that moment in time doesn't mean that there's going to be a violent altercation or situation that pursues. You see what I'm saying? So I think, you know what I mean? We don't even have that ability to mediate in our own spaces. We don't even have the ability to largely congregate in our own spaces oftentimes. Like, you see what I'm saying? When the police see a large congregation of black people, especially black youth, they automatically assume it has to be something negative and things like that. So I think, you know what I mean? We have to alleviate those things and build other things that can show people that they don't have to be scared of the youth. And, you know what I mean? And, and the youth has to do some things to make them, like, to understand that, you know, oftentimes because of how certain dynamics are set up in our community, right? You know, elderly people have a honest concern. So we have these things. So, you know, we're talking about building mediators in our community, people that the community respect, people in the community have long relationships with, you see what I'm saying? And these people, you know what I mean? And it doesn't have to be one, but, you know, these set of people have the ability to, like, you know, be the person that's called upon when it's time for, like, a situation to be, like, you know, de-escalated. You know what I mean? And I think those are the, 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 the approaches we have to take if we really uh, want to see safer communities because we are seeing, like, we call the police when our people are going through mental health crises and the police come and kill them. We see instances where we call the police on, on domestic disputes, the police come and kill somebody. We see uh, wellness checks, police come and kill somebody. You see what I'm saying? So it's like you have to understand that the police see us only in one manner, and that's colonize, enslaved people who don't deserve no respect. You see what I'm saying? Because if we did, they would have never did Henry Gate. The professor from whatever he from, they would have did him like that. Remember, he went, we right. went, they would call the police, they yanked that Negro out of his house. And he still says, so it's like, it's an institution that's created off violence. And the only way to confront that violence is to organize that institution outside of our communities. Yeah. Yeah. And it also starts with community healing. Like, if we can heal our community, then the de-escalation part will be a lot easier because we're not so animated. You know what I'm saying? Like, the thing is healing that trauma because I think, I don't think people understand when you basically go through trauma, like, your brain just disconnects from your body. So, therefore, you're not able to make conscious decisions. You're just running off a brain that's offline and that makes you make unconscious decisions, which leads to, you know, a lot of times people being shot and things of that nature. So healing our community and always putting restorative justice in every part of our community is very important. I think that is the one major way that, you know, we can get ourselves together and be on a peaceful accord than right. I'm always calling the police. But yeah. Can I get my charger right here? Yeah, my phone. Hey. That yeah, I, yeah, go ahead. I'll be right back. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, that's what we, we have to do. We have to continue to... Figure out how we can elevate ourselves as a community. We have to start healing one another and stop pointing the finger because if we're not healing one another, then we're not able to get to that point of having a peace thought community. And that's one way, like I'm saying, to really do without police because we, we got to understand and we've been so brainwashed that we feel like if something get out of control or out of, you know, that we can't handle that we have to call the police and they can handle it. And as we see, they don't even know how to handle it. So what is the point of even calling when you can have a mediator and everybody can sit down and really listen to one another and to each other's side and figure out who went wrong and take accountability and move on? Like, that's really all we got to do. To have our community peaceful and safe and stop depending on these government facilities to think they're keeping us safe because they will never keep us safe. Period, y'all. That's just point late point. That's what it is. So it's important that every community thinks about how they can begin to heal their community. What, what activities and, and gatherings can they do as a community to start healing one another been healing our trauma that we've experienced and correcting what experience is trauma. And we're gonna to continue to experience that trauma until we get it together and stand up and say no more. As I keep saying, you gotta say no more. Enough is enough. This has been going on too long, way too long. We keep losing mm. you know, people by the minute, by the hour, by the day, by the police, by the prison, you know, CPS. There's a lot of things that the CPS which leads them straight to prison. Or we got to think about what we could do 
to better our black and brown communities and our poor population and look out for one another because we're not we're not looking out for one another that's what we're doing and that's why we have in the issues that we have it so if you don't see emancipate in your in your area in your neighborhood doing a peace not police community event please come out support Get some good information because that's that's what we do. We're trying to re-evolve and reimagine our communities as black people. Hey. So talk about what you what you got going on down there in Greenville. Like what you trying to do because we know Greenville real race. Right, North Carolina. But nothing, just trying to, you know, just trying to I think taking that concept of dual and contending power serious and really just trying to build that. And I think Greenville can be an excellent model of that because it's not too big. And I think, you know are from here for one. And I think, you know, we had did a pretty much a good job of building a base. You know, we have a good uh, rapport in West Greenville, the largest area of black people in this area. And, you know, I think just trying to organize and create that kind of education that people understand that, you know what I mean? It's going to take more than just voting, you know, once in a while for an individual that you really don't know like that. You just putting all your, you know what I mean? Into mm-hmm. And instead of doing that, you know, building a candidate that comes from the grassroots, like, you know, build your own candidate, one that you know, one that you know is going to follow the agenda of the masses. So I think, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, we want, especially with now, just how everything works. I think we want so everything so immediate, you know, a lot of people want these changes to be immediate as well. So I think, I think, you know, just start from a basic level to really re-educate people about, you know, how we came to this position, what this country consists of, how we was, you know, made, the makings of it. I think, you know, re-educating people on the responsibility of elected officials, who they should represent, what their agenda should look like, what mm-hmm. who it should be beneficial to. You saw saying, if you got an elected official who is riding around in Cadillacs and Mercedes and the people that they represent is still, you know what I'm saying, going without a proper resource, then we got a problem. You know what I mean? We can't look at black excellence on the individual level and be like, you know, they're doing good for themselves. You see what I'm saying? We got to look, you know, we got to look at it like, you know what I mean? What's going, you know, what's going on? Yeah, what's really going on? But building, I think building that, that, that culture of black resistance is what we're trying to create in great, but not resistance on the level of like, you know, people hear that word and like, they automatically think about things burning down and like violent confrontations. I think we're talking about resistance because even going against Western propaganda is a resistance struggle. You know what I mean? To tell people new things, you know what I mean? To confront old ideas with new, you know what I mean? So I think we just have to resist on all levels to really get people to understand what it's going to take to create a new system that can be more beneficial. So peace, not police. Um, we got the don't plead the weed program that we are uh, doing with our own. Um, I comrade Jayla Miller, who is a attorney for emancipate. Shout out Jayla. You know what I mean? Come down here. We inform people about, you know, the marijuana in North Carolina, how you still saying they really don't have the proper equipment to test it. And why, you know, we shouldn't be taking, you know, lesser charges and pleading out to like low level offenses with marijuana charges like that. So, you know, just, you know, trying to give people, you know, material resources and accesses and access, excuse me, to things that, you know, can be beneficial to their everyday while educating people on, you know, you know, the larger objective of, you know, why it is that these resources have to be given this way and what we can do to make sure that, you know, these resources are attainable, not just on the here and there level, but on a consistent level. Consistent level, right, correct. Yeah. That's important. Uh, you know, we appreciate what you do because we need it here. Like we we gotta change something. Because what we've been doing for the amount of long it ain't working. It ain't doing the sucking more black people into the leap and uh leaving the rest to dry. So yeah, we appreciate it. Everything is doing for just inform to inform the community to be better and do better. So is there anything you want to oh, the audience with? Black um Nah, you know, just keep following the Black Light Mass Incarceration Show. You know what I mean? One of them shows that's definitely going to keep it real with you, raw. And uh, it's emancipated work. So, you know, I just definitely appreciate this platform. You always give me the opportunity to come out here and talk about what we got going on, anything new. And I guess, you know, we just, you know, just invite people to continue to, like, you know, join, you know, emancipate work, uh, follow our work, follow what we do, get involved in these cases. You see what I'm saying? Join our organization if you don't really have you know, emancipate that close to you, you know what I'm saying, join something local to you, 
And if it's not working the way you like it, then, you know, struggle with the people to make it better. You know what I mean? Like, but come I up think with your own. come up with your own. We did it in green. <laughs> look, look, we got mopping dudes in green. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, no, nah, if they don't have one, come up with your own, but definitely get organized. We have to, you know, we have to educate and we have to just continue to move and move forward. Right. Yeah. All right, Dada. Uh, you know, we'll be back. We always will be back. We'll probably be doing this something like here we just giving y'all the update and what's going on around North Carolina and just schooling you on how we can change it. So we're looking out for that. We'll be doing this a little more often than normal. So all right. Oh yeah. yeah. Y'all take care. All right, Kyrie. I'll see. All right. Take care. All right. So thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Your host, Sierra Cobb. Take care.